Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewiston, Maine. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Aloha. This is Rick Rodriguez from the Big Island of Hawaii. Aloha. Cheryl here, coming to you from the Big Island of Hawaii, where we have lots of beautiful waterfalls, rainbows, and a live volcano. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, aloha. Sol here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. I'm looking at Chapter 7, and I always notice the title of this chapter, Pricing the Priceless. At first, I didn't know really what this was all about. As I'm understanding this chapter, I look at my timeline I realize priceless moments. How many of my priceless moments did I screw up on? I have children that I missed those priceless moments because of my pain. And I paid deeply for all those priceless moments that I missed. Really, that I think that part of it is what hit me the most, going into that negative chatter because I wasn't aware and I wasn't awake enough to realize that life is precious, that my children are precious. This chapter really hit me deeply. I think that if it had not been for Somewhere along the line of my waking up to getting out of this pain and getting out of this horrible, horrible time during my life, 
I would have really been somebody with a dream that died. Think about this. If I let go of a dream, if you let go of a dream, that dream started based on a notion or a feeling of potential. Yeah? Oh, yeah. There are so many chances I had to start so many things, and then I don't look back at it as regret because it doesn't help. I find a way to take that opportunity, and I go with it. It made a really big difference when I stopped worrying about the fear, worrying about what could go wrong, and just trying different things and new experiences and enjoying them and really learning stuff from them that can help other people and myself. Cool. I had a couple of aha moments. Kareem, I love what you said about although I've had some of those experiences where maybe a dream has died, but I'm certainly not hauling that around with me. I'm moving on. I've thought back to some dreams I've had, had that notion of as the dream dies, so does the dreamer. I've experienced that feeling of that kind of that piece of me being gone. And I also have experienced the loss from that. As soon as I found myself again, the more I've gotten back to that, I found that the dream is still there. It just morphed. Different opportunities popped that were in this same area. My gratitude, when I expressed my gratitude in the form of a gratuity to somebody, the price I paid for my gratitude was a gratuity to somebody else, and it's a giving and a receiving. It's a flow. It feels so good to be in that flow in life, in all areas of life. So paying and getting back. Am I getting paid what I'm worth every single time? It's a whole lot more fun to get paid what I'm worth in that gratitude gratuity flow. This chapter connects for me back to the skills inventory because what came up for me in my skills inventory was teacher. And then I put it up on my timeline and teacher was all over the place. And then I realized, oh, look at all these learning experiences. Oh, right, because students learn. And if they don't, they have nothing to teach. <laughs> and what's come to me is that the dream has always been to teach and to learn and to constantly be in that learning and teaching, exploring the new stuff and having a blast with it. So how soon do we all pay for just one lost dream? I think I pay dearly pretty darned immediately. The great thing is that I'm learning how to make that an immediate wake-up call. If I'm feeling a loss, hey, wake up. Time to wake up and pay attention. <laughs> because I'm not on my teacher-learner path if I'm paying an emotional price for something. I'd like to piggyback on what David just said. When a dream dies, we all suffer because that's one less person that's motivated to succeed and help inspire others to do the same. Right now, this very second, believe it or not, depending on how you choose to be paid, you already receive what you're worth. What are some perspectives on what that means to everyone? To me, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's kind of intuitive. It's, it's become obvious. There's never a moment in this earth suit where I'm not getting paid exactly what I'm worth. And who measures my worth? Well, unfortunately, I do. My perceptions measure my worth. This very second and this morning, we were just having this exact 
discussion. <laughs> we were out on the porch and I was trying to explain to Rick about what it meant to me. I don't know if he ever understood the way I explained it to him. I just said that everything that we do, no matter what we do, is exactly coming back to us and we'll get paid however much we put out there. I told him that if I made something like I was going to put it up on Etsy, I made it really crappily, just threw it together and didn't care what it looked like, I would get paid exactly what it was worth. I wouldn't get paid very much for it. But if I make a good item that not only looks good, functions well and everything, and I feel good about inside, then I am getting paid monetarily for it and from inside of me because I know that I did a good job. So like David said, I'm patting myself on the back knowing that I did a good job. It's sort of an interesting thing because we talked about growing food and that most of the people can't tell if the food that you grow is organic, if it has a high density of nutrition. Okay, they can't tell by eating it and they can't tell by looking at it and they can't tell from the feel of it. I can because I was raised on that type of food and then given crappy food after. So I learned, oh, something I can't run as far or whatever. So my discussion was, okay, you can give your tree a, a chemical and have it produce three times as much and not eat that food because you don't want that. Everyone else says, oh, it's wonderful. It's good, Rick. And you would make three times more the money. But then Cheryl was saying, but you wouldn't feel as good because you know that, yeah, you make more money, but that's not the food that you want to eat. And it doesn't make you feel good to eat it. So we're sort of at that juncture right there. Yeah, so there's a lot of different payments going on, aren't there? Yeah. You can pay yourself. There's the payment of the lower quality. There's the payment of the feeling good, the quality of that nutrition and effect on those cells. There's a lot of ripples going on. <laughs> well, most people don't recognize that. My dream has been since I was a little boy to live free and have nobody mess with me. Just tell me what to do and be able to live a life of freedom and not serve any master but to serve myself. Wow. That sounds like a ridiculous dream, but I think there's not very many people that are doing this. Talk for you, Rick, because I don't like to be told what to do either. That's good. You have that freedom, and I like that freedom too. Well, it comes at a price. Just like he was saying, you've got to pay for it. Everything has a price. That's so yeah. true. And I'm learning that. Before, I didn't weigh it. Now that it's been brought more to my attention... I knew it, that people pay a price for their lives. If they're in shitty relationships, they pay a price with their health. If they build crappy relationships and they're stressed out because of the people they're around or the job they have, they suffer. everyone suffers from their health. That's my opinion. Which is the perfect opportunity to bring out the emotional charge card. <laughs> Remember how I introduced this concept of a wisdom bank? That every yep. life lesson is a part of your wisdom bank, right? Yeah. Yep. I remember, yeah. 
Well, it's yeah. time to get into the credit business. Let's see if you want to apply. Every time I stuff something down, every time I hold my tongue, every time I look another way, every time I don't pay any respect to myself and I feel pissed off about it, I'm charging it to my emotional charge card, which means <laughs> at some point in time down the line, there will be a payment due. And that yeah, payment due will be in the form of regret and anger and depression and blah, 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 blah. Anybody want to apply? <laughs> I applied for that a long time ago, and then I yeah. just had to cut those cards. I, I maxed out that card and filed emotional <laughs> bankruptcy. <laughs> I started building good credit. <laughs> I don't like credit. I don't want any cards are bad. You, I'll let you have all the credit, you guys. Take all the credit you want. But think about that. What's the whole thing of a credit card? You're mortgaging your life, right? You're yeah. mortgaging your time because it's going to take time to earn whatever money you're going to need to earn to pay back the credit card, correct? Yeah. Yes. So you're mortgaging your time. Well, fine, with emotions... When we pay for something emotionally, on page 128, let us turn our hymnals now to page 128. Yeah. Three quarters of the way down the page. Anybody want to read the indented quote about the Buddhist principle? I will. Okay. To paraphrase a Buddhist principle, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Kaboom. Who wants to take a dive into the really deep pool that that quote opens up? Anybody? I'll, I'll take a shot. I say it like this. It's not what happens to me. It's how I deal with it or how I react to it. When I'm feeling down about something or something in my life just doesn't go that great, I can sit there and get upset and mope that... I wasn't able to play my instrument or that I wasn't feeling good or that I got sick. Or I can realize that even though bad things happen, good opportunities can come out of something and not to stay in that place of why me, why me, I'm a victim and keep moving forward. I uh, piggyback on that. I think that at times when we go through something really, really traumatic, really something that throws off our, our chakra, it's really hard to see the silver lining. But the sun will rise again. You will feel good again. You will love again. You will... And who's the you you're talking about here? Me. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the price of pain ripples when we choose to suffer. How do I come to say that? The relationships and those wonderful experiences of learning what I did not want in my life. Those relationships and those situations. Every time I had emotional pain, I would run out and buy something or I would go to my PlayStation addiction. I'd go to some addiction and cha-ching, ring up that emotional charge card the bailout, uh, one would think, oh, I'm not suffering. What I'm doing is I'm building my suffering for a great big hullabaloo of a blowout emotional crisis. 
That's what happened in my life. My timeline's riddled with them. What I'm learning and what I'm understanding is that pain is inevitable. I've heard it this way, that pain is inevitable, but growth is optional. I think that suffering is optional too. It's a choice, even if it's not an easy one. It's a choice that I make. Choice whether I experience suffering from financial hardship, for example, or suffering from the loss of a relationship. I get to choose my level of suffering. I really do. And if I think otherwise, then what I'm doing is I'm putting the responsibility for my well-being outside of myself. I'm expecting other people or other things to be my emotional But, but David, if I can focus on your suffering and if I can go, oh, David, you poor man, Watch let me you. help you. Let me help you get out of your suffering. I can then quit <laughs> looking at myself and I can feel like a hero and I can take care of you. And all of society will think I'm a saint because look what soul did. Right? Yeah. One of my favorite addictions is super caregiver addiction. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the hero, right? (laughs) Oh, it's a dandy one, right? And I've gotten really good at that one. I've gotten so good at it that I get thank you emails from people saying, Oh, you've changed my life. Follow your bliss guy. You're amazing. And it's like, that feels really good, right? But there's an emotional price. There's a price to pay for all that stuff. Because how am I helping that person be responsible for their own stuff? What I'm doing is I'm creating dependency on me. The gratuity from that, the payoff from that is emotional, is dependency. The payoff for that is not gratitude and gratuity flow at all. It's just not. And David, does it cast any doubt, guilt, shame, or worry into your life that you can resolve your own crap? Yeah, absolutely. It it fosters that doubt, guilt, shame, and worry in other people. So my role is to step back and just say, look, you can do anything. I have to step back. First, I have to start with me. I can only be responsible for me. And my first step is to say, David, all that you require is inside of you. David, and to everybody else, there's one word that this chapter is focused on. Authenticity. Yeah. Am I willing to get real? If I were to share with you some of the names that I've worked with who discovered how much of a fraud they realized they were at the time, because even though they could preach it, and millions of people followed the preaching, they did not themselves practice what they preached, so they were experiencing a crisis of conscience. Right? Yeah, some serious suffering. Yes. How could I ask you to get out your shovels and dig up your shit if I haven't gotten a shit-covered shovel myself. <laughs> right? Right. Uh-huh. How can I maintain an observational perspective if I'm already dealing with my own inner demons that you woke up because now you are presenting to me the very pain I've been trying to ignore because I'm helping somebody else Deal with the same pain. <laughs> <laughs> what a ripple that is. 
Right? Right. I'm trying to get you into an awareness of what it's like to be mindful in the moment and mindful in the long term. So the cost, the size, the location, the level of convenience or significance, those are all in-the-moment items, right? Right. Yes. Relationships, obligations, those are the longer-term things, right? Yes. Yes. Definitely. So in the moment, I can be feeling physical or emotional pain. Long-term, I know... It will pass. How soon it passes is my choice, right? Right. Right. Where am I going with this? No, I don't think pain is bad. Sometimes I need to feel pain, whether it's an emotional loss, somebody I no longer am friends with or a family member when I lost my grandma. Sometimes I need to feel that. Not saying it's a good thing, but sometimes I need to feel temporary pain so I can fulfill a greater destiny. I don't look at pain as completely negative. Yes, I look at it as temporarily uncomfortable, but I know the pain can teach me something to be a better person. By being that better person, I don't scurry away from getting a little bit of hurt. Well, now you bring up tonight's paradox. (laughs) <laughs> There's the villain the laugh was going to come. Marsha, what's tonight's paradox? Tonight's paradox is death always bad. Is death always bad? Well, let's go back to that line, as the dream dies, then relate that to, is death always bad? Death is never bad. Death begets life. It's a process. It's a flow. So, no. Death of something or the loss of something opens a door, always opens a door for something new. And the pain always opens the door for some gain. Giving always opens the door for some receiving. The only question is, where's my resistance? Bingo. Or lack thereof. (laughs) (laughs) My greatest dream was to marry the perfect woman and have the perfect children, have the perfect life, and be the perfect teacher and counselor and whatever else I wanted to do, and that everything was going to be perfect. And I was going to control it all. (laughs) Well, that dream dying was a major blessing. That dream dying opened the door up to a learning experience I wouldn't trade for anything. So, much like the symbolism of a tree that goes through its seasons, in the spring, a typical tree begins to bud out after being dormant. And we're talking about trees that are not evergreens. These are trees that are going through a cycle. It buds out. It begins to build its leaves. And as the season progresses through summer, the leaves are in full force harvesting that sunlight so that it can continue to feed the tree. And then as fall approaches and the winter winds begin to whip up and the frost happens, those leaves are nipped. They begin to fall off the tree. 
And unless they're raked up and carted away and they fall to the ground, they begin to decompose. And they decompose into the ground. The death of that leaf feeds the ground and eventually the nutrients in that leaf will then feed the roots of the tree to start all over again. So I ask you as we begin to wrap up this notion of pricing the priceless and gratuity and gratitude and getting into the next exercise, what has fallen into your life compost pile that at the time was pretty crappy, pretty stinky, pretty yucky? What pain has happened that caused suffering, but yet as you look back now with the lens of gratitude on, you can begin to see how that particular moment that was pretty stinky and pretty yucky is decomposed now and is taught something. A life lesson has been birthed. Marsha, your timeline has been a robust garden just totally full of ripened fruit in the form of learned lessons that you're now picking off right and left so that you don't have to learn that lesson again, right? Exactly. I do have a story of a dream that I was hoping would take place, and it did die. Through the death of this dream that I was hoping I would have, or that would occur for me one day, I am so thankful that I returned home back to Boston. I can see the writing on the wall if I pursued this, if I stayed and let this happen. That old door, oh, I can see. It already has the paint on the door. It's a disaster. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm so thankful that I threw that in the compost pile. So I'm so thankful for that. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, Team Seekers, it is a dream of mine that Team Seekers allows themselves the space, the time, to gain the perspective of just how timeless your potential is, such that whatever your dreams are, whether they're realized or not, if they die for the moment, doesn't mean they're dead permanently. It may have been just a stepping stone to something else. So I have a dream that as you get through this chapter and you start fine-tuning your awareness of the magic that gratitude offers us, something we're really going to dive into deep in Chapter 10. As you get into this pool of gratitude, you can get into it with an extraordinary, powerful lifeguard. And that's what Exercise 24 is all about. When we get into the ethical, timeless guidelines, the framework provided there expands our ability to be authentic. And I have this silly illusion that authenticity, my authenticity, is timeless. Anybody want to crack that open? Oh, oh man. Yeah, authenticity is one of my most important ethics principles, for sure. Integrity is very important to me. Authenticity is very important. 
Authenticity for me, the reason why I see it as timeless is because what is authentic in me is what never changes. Bingo. It was what existed before this earth suit, what's never changed in this earth suit, and what will exit this earth suit. Some call it a soul. It never changes. When I find that, oh man, it's delicious. Mm. And I'm starting to find it more and more and more and more. So that you have a, a picture of what's coming downstream, Chapter 8, one of the reasons why we're doing Chapter 7, looking at timelessness, pricelessness, getting a very awake and aware picture of just exactly what price is being paid for everything. When it comes time to making a contract with someone, is it to your advantage to know what the costs are in advance? Yes. Absolutely. If I make a contract with you and I'm clueless about the cost that I'm going to get charged to me, whether that's money, whether that's time, whether that's respect, whether that's love, whether that's my health, whether that's my reputation, and so on, if I make a contract with you that I'm clueless of those costs, just how valid of a contract do we have? We don't even have one to begin with. Bingo. <laughs> we have an invalid one. I've seen the instances where I create contracts now where I'm telling people, this is what I will do for you. This is how I'm going to do it. This is the what, the why, all the W's and the H. This is the price and time and or whatever it is, money and effort, and I will get this job done for you. And they're, they're very clear. There's almost zero people who don't understand. It's always 100% satisfaction. So the tricky part but of if it I is... don't define stuff specifically, then it gets all jumbled, and I don't know what I'm doing. They don't know what's going on. And, and then the chaos committee could go, Woohoo! Party! Isn't that true? When all hell breaks loose, when chaos ensues, the chaos committee is going, Yales! Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is some of the deeper stuff. And I understand that sometimes some of this deeper stuff, it takes a while to soak in. It takes a while to rattle around. I mean, Marsha, as we were preparing for this class and as we begin to wrap up, if you want to offer some ahas, that's great, but maybe we don't need to. I'll keep you in this searching state for a little longer. But Marsha, as we were beginning to plan for this class, your statement surprised me that you thought Chapter 7 was the most difficult chapter that you experienced? <laughs> well, just that title alone, then really thinking it through and looking at emotional baggage and, and the price that I paid for all that emotional baggage that I carried with me for so long, how it really, really affected my life. I wasn't even aware of it. And gosh, those priceless moments that I missed out on because of my emotional baggage. Looking at that kind of stuff is really the most emotional that I can get with mm. looking at my timeline and priceless moments that you, you can't get back. Once you miss out on them, you missed out on them. Now, now who's missing out on them? Once I missed out on them, I missed out on them. <laughs> so I can't get them back, and I think about that. 
So how important is it for me to really stay aware of my moment every day when I have those moments where I want to just fall? Am I going to choose to stay in that moment or am I going to choose to get out of that suffering moment and be in the present? Yum. I understand that if I can't find any treasures within, I will never find any treasures out in the external world. I need to acknowledge I need to love myself Mm -hmm. before I can love anybody else Mm -hmm. or anything else. That's huge, Kareem. I think sometimes when you read these quotes, they're not observational quotes, but I really like the quote in Chapter 7, the Buddhist principle where pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. I really like that because it's not really a dogmatic quote. It's sort of more of an observational thing where dudes have been around, you watch things. I find the same thing too. It seems like pain is something that you have here, but suffering is definitely optional because people that, that don't have pain are suffering tremendously. They choose to suffer. What Penny What I'm Worth keeps reminding me over and over again that we control our thoughts and our thoughts control our reality. Like over and over, it just pounds it in your head. So, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> right out. Woo-hoo. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yep, our lives are our choices. We can make them good or we can sit there and dwell on things that the chaos committee contrives for us. Yep. Did we talk about choice yet, Marsha? Did we ever bring up this topic, choice? I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Just about everything is a choice. (laughs) But do you see the magical fox choice is? As I become aware of my choices, I can allow all those choices to drown out my ability to choose. Yes. Part of this timelessness that I would like you to begin to think about as you get into the next exercise is we are, and always will be, timeless beings. Yeah? Yes. Yep. This chapter really is about getting into our unique potential here. If it were not for this chapter helping me to see all the time that I missed out on with my children, if it weren't for this chapter showing me what timelessness is versus priceless, in a sense, it's about me becoming as divine as I possibly am to bring out my uniqueness. My divine self is my unique person. That's what it is. She's been missing in action for I don't know how many years. (laughs) She's come back. (laughs) The world is a better place for it, most certainly. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, 
Are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Aloha.